Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Our theme for this July 2016 episode is organizing your research. We're going to start off at the Genealogy Insider blog, where managing editor Diane Haddad will have some organizational strategies from her own research. And then we're going to jump right into our top tips segment to discuss organizing secrets with Drew Smith. He's the author of the new book, Organize Your Genealogy. And then in our 101 Best Website segment, we're going to focus on Evernote.com and dig into five great genealogy uses for Evernote with the editor of the book, How to Use Evernote for Genealogy, Andrew Cook. In the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, instructor Shannon Bennett Combs is going to be here to talk about how to put spreadsheets to work, keeping you organized. And then we're going to wrap things up at the publisher's desk, where Allison Dolan has a terrific resource that can help keep every genealogist not only more organized, but more productive. So there's a lot to cover. Let's get to it. Our first stop is the Genealogy Blogosphere with Diane Haddad. love that magazine editor and genealogy insider blogger Diane Haddad not only shares on the blog what's news in family history, but she also shares examples from her own research that we can all learn from. And that's what she's going to do today here on the podcast. Hi, Diane. Hi, how are you? Doing great. You know, uh, uh, I was thinking a research plan is such a great way to organize and attack a genealogical problem. And that's what you were talking about in a couple of recent blog posts. It started out with the post called Working on My Last Name Problem When Genealogy Records Disagree. We have certainly all run into that. Tell us about this because this kind of leads into our whole uh, subject today of organizing your genealogy. Yeah, when people think of organizing, they think of how do I file these papers and um, keep everything in order. But I think organized genealogy also involves being organized about how you approach your research problems. So what happened was I found just in a newspaper index online a reference to a Teresa Seeger. And I remembered that, oh, my great-great-grandfather, who was born in Germany, I had also found a baptismal record for a sister with that name. And I thought, did she come to the same area as he did? And my mom said, well, you know, my, her dad, he never talked about any other relatives who came over. So it was kind of a mystery to figure out. So the first thing I did was research this um, local person who I found in the index. And she was married to a Colbeck. And I made a little chart with both of these people named Mary Teresa, the one that I knew was the sister and the one that I had found here. And what I knew about when they were born, married, immigrated and died, the main facts in their lives that I could compare. And for the one I knew was the sister, I had three blanks there um, when I didn't know when she married, when she might have immigrated and when she died. So I knew I have to fill in these three blanks. And so then that's where this next post that I did kind of started. 
Right. The first one, um, and I will have a link in the show notes so all of you listening can go and take a look because I loved that you did make a little, just like a table. I don't know if you used Word or Excel, but, you know, just something where you can visualize Mm -hmm. the data and compare them side by side. So often we try to do this in our head and and boy, when you can look at it like this, stuff really jumps out at you and it shows you where you need to do your work to answer those questions. Right. And so the next thing to do then is to figure out what records are going to tell me the information in that chart. And the first thing I went to was these marriage records that were in Germany, the place where the sister and my great great grandfather were both born because I had been in those records before and I knew that they named parents. So those are at the family search centers, which are affiliated with the family history library. And like the stars have to align in order for me to be able to get out of the house (laughs) and go there when they're open. So I started looking in other records as well. In a local library here, they had baptismal records and I found an online index that showed the children of this local Teresa and her husband. So I ordered those. And I did some other local research. Finally, when I got to the Family Search Center, they have the marriage records from the place in Germany that I needed. They just have them because so many people in this area are from there. Right. And it took maybe 15 minutes. I found the one I needed because of my census research. I knew what year the local Teresa had been married. So working on that theory that she was related I knew exactly what year to go to. And she was the sister. So, yay, solved a mystery, told my mom we did have relatives here. And then, of course, I had to right away start researching the husband's family. Right. Yeah. Right. Just opens up a whole other avenue. It sure does. And people with that, you know, since she, her children have that Colbeck surname, you know, I likely have cousins and possible DNA matches who might have that surname. Boy, how amazing. And to spot her name, you know, it's, it's a good suggestion just to, um, when you see something like that and, and your instincts kind of kick in, it's like, why not take an hour? Well, of course, that's like the following the bright, shiny object. Yeah. We get six different directions. But, boy, this really paid off for you. And I think the way you organized it certainly made sense as well. And mm-hmm. I hope that all of you come and take a look at both of these blog posts. So the first one, was working on my last name problem when genealogy records disagree. And then, Diane, you followed that up with organized genealogy research, matching up the two Teresas, which, of course, I think you made a perfect point. It's not just organizing the paper. It's really organizing your approach, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, hey, thank you. I think it's wonderful that you share your own experiences. It it makes it, we can all identify and we can all learn from what you have learned as well. Thanks so much for sharing. You're welcome. There's a brand new book available that speaks to exactly what we are tackling in this episode. Organization. It's called Organize Your Genealogy, Strategies and Solutions for Every Researcher. And here to share some of his top organizational secrets from the book is the author and my friend, Drew Smith. Welcome to the podcast, Drew. Thanks for having me. It's always fun to talk to you. I think the last time was we did an interview at RootsTech, and that was a lot of fun on the previous book. So this is so cool. Exactly. Well, and you're a fellow podcaster. Drew does the genealogy guys, and I do genealogy gems. And here we are together on Family Tree Magazine podcast. <laughs> 
And there's a lot that a genealogist has to do to get organized in their genealogy life. So this is is the perfect topic to talk about. And it's all of these different areas of our genealogy life that you kind of really touch on. It looks like it's the way that you organize the book. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, when I thought about it, I mean, I know there were a few books out there that had touched on organizing maybe your photos or a book on organizing your files. But I hadn't seen a book that was on organizing everything. And and there is a lot to genealogy research. And uh, I've often thought about the fact that, that genealogy is an unusual hobby. It's the only hobby that comes immediately to mind where you have to do research. And, you know, I mean, I mean, there's a little research in certain hobbies, like if you're collecting things, you know, although, you know, and whatever, and you want to know what's going on with the stuff you collect. But really, it's the only kind of hobby. And that means you're inundated with stuff and your you know, information, digital, physical. But then there's also this other stuff where research trips and how do you organize that and and how do you organize your workspace and how do you organize your your goals and your projects and all that and this time you spend online how do you organize mm-hmm. your your searches your search strategy so we, you know there there was a lot and I thought well you know that could be a, that's certainly an entire book and each chapter could address one of those kinds of things so that's what I aimed for uh, when I came up with it well and you start the book off with a chapter called organizing yourself. Oh, it always starts with us. So tell us what you mean. Well, genealogy uh, research is a mental activity. And that means your brain has to be in its best possible shape in order to get it done well. And that means, you know, being well rested. It means, you know, not skipping meals. It means being nice and relaxed and not stressed out. And there's lots of things that we you know, that we really need to do to our bodies and our minds in order for, to prepare, just like an athlete prepares for a, a marathon. Well, I don't know about you, but when you sit down at the computer for a couple hours, it's like a marathon. And, oh, yeah. and so if you're not in good shape, you know, who knows what errors you might introduce into your uh, files when you overlooked some document or typed in the wrong thing just because you were too sleepy. And we're all guilty of that. We're all, you know, we'll stay up at two, three in the morning and skip sleep and as I said, I'm not probably responsible for whatever I might have typed in in the middle of the night. So I, I try to caution people away from that and say, you know, you really need to to slow down and get calm and take care of your body and take care of your mind. And, you know, then you are going to be in a much better position. And one thing I've learned, uh, you, you probably know this too, but that there are different times of the day that we have different energy levels. And sometimes, you know, maybe it's first thing in the morning that you have a lot of energy or maybe it's maybe you're a night owl and maybe you have more energy in the evening. But, you know, you don't want to do genealogy when you're when you're worn out and when you're not you're not feeling it. You know, you want to you want to have that mental energy and that physical stamina to to get through it. So, yeah, I start the chapter or the first chapter. I talk about that. Right. Well, and like you say, preparing yourself really prepares you for fewer mistakes and fewer things you'll have to fix later. And of course, physical items. When we think of genealogy, it's a lot of information, but there are a lot of physical items. There are 
source documents, books, journals, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's probably one of the first areas where things just kind of spiral out of control. So I'd love to hear some real, some of your favorite top secrets of organizing your files. How do you do that? Well, the files is certainly a challenge. And and one of the things I, you know, and I realized that when I started and there wasn't all the computer technology that there is for us today, I, I know that most people have a lot of physical documents. And even in, you know, some of those are kind of legacy situations where we just inherited a lot of things. Maybe our cousins gave us, you know, boxes of papers and photos. But yeah, there's a lot of physical stuff to organize. And so you really have to think about that. And, and I use, I draw upon not only my experience as a genealogist, but uh, as a librarian, because that's what we do. We, we organize information to make it accessible to other people. So we really think a lot, whether it's in library school when we're learning or whether we're practicing being a librarian, we think a lot about how are people going to use the information? You know, how are they going to access it, search for it? What can we do to make it as easy to find as possible? So when I was writing the chapters on things like organizing papers and whatnot, I thought about that. How do we access our paper documents? And, you know, typically as genealogists, we look at surnames. You know, that's the first thing we're going to look for the binder or the folder. That's the Smith binder or the Smith folder. And we talk, I talk about that. Now, there are people that develop these rather complicated systems. And I've had some interesting conversations with people that have weird numbering systems and they go off into the, I mean, I say weird, but I mean, they're, they're, they're idiosyncratic. They're, they're good for them, but probably not for everybody. And, mm-hmm. and I wanted to come up with general principles. I, I'm also very sensitive to the fact that what works for me may not work for you. You and I and all the other people in the world have different personalities, different workflows, different ways we like to do things. So whatever organizing system you come up with, it has to work for you. And so I, uh, I talk a little bit about more the general principles that whenever you come up with, it's got to be simple. It's got to be flexible to handle all the different kinds of things, the different kinds of documents you might be dealing with. And I talk about how you're going to have to search for information and you're going to have to browse through it, too, particularly with paper documents. You're, you know, because searching is a little harder with paper documents than it is searching on a computer. But you're going to have to browse through that Smith binder, Smith folder, and find your great-great-grandfather Smith's you know, marriage record. And so you've got to figure out how can I do that so that I can get to that as quickly and easily as possible. So it's important to think before you start creating a paper filing system, you know, do you want binders? Do you want folders if you're going to do a lot of paper? And then you're going to have to think about, okay, you know, how do I group it? Uh, Some people go into these color systems where, you know, they take each of their four grandparents and they assign a color to it and, and so forth. That's okay, except for the fact that what if your grandparents were related to each other? (laughs) Well, and see, that's what I'm thinking. And I'm sure some people are thinking as as they're listening, that that's the problem is that we get into it, and we don't know what's going to happen months and, you know, years down the road of our research that we end up painting ourselves into a corner. So you're talking about flexibility, what would be an example of, you know, kind of what, what makes for a flexible filing system? Well, I, I think a flexible filing system means that it can accommodate different kinds of ancestry. I I give an example, I think, in the book, but I talk about this also in some of my presentations where, you know, I say, okay, I'm not worried about mom and dad being related to each other because they're from completely different parts of the United States, and I'm pretty sure that they don't have any ancestors in common. They're just, all the moms were 
here in the United States before back to the 16, 1700s, uh, before it was even the United States. And dads, nobody was here before 1842. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, I'm not going to run into a lot of problems with that. Uh, same thing with dad's parents. They're from different ethnicities, different, you know, parts of the world. So I don't think that's going to be a problem. But mom's parents, mm-hmm. they could be related to each other if I, you know, and they, uh-huh. there's some intermarriages. So I may want to kind of think about, okay, my system doesn't require me to split them into four groups. I could have three groups, one for my paternal grandfather, one for my paternal grandmother, and one for my maternal ancestors who might turn out to be related to each other. So you have to you have to not be wedded to, oh, I've got to have four divisions or some set number of things. It's really going to depend on what you learn about your own family. And and that's part of it. Part of it is just our systems let's be honest here. Ancestry is a messy thing. It really mm-hmm. is a messy thing, you know. It really is. And we, when we create systems, we're trying to make it into a structure. But the problem is those structures can only do so much. And sometimes our ancestry doesn't fit nicely into those structures. So what I mean by flexible is you just have to, whatever you come up with, it can't break just because you find out that great-great-grandfather and great-great-grandmother were third cousins or something. You've got to have a filing system that can deal with that with minimal effort. And and there could be other examples of that. But I think it's just – somebody looked at me funny when I was talking about, well, you know, what do, what do you do with a marriage record? I was at a – presentation and they they said well do you put it with the fathers with the husband or do you put it with the wife and i said you make a photocopy and you put one in each because why not i mean that way Mm -hmm. when you're working on that man or that woman you've got all their records together to look at and so why not make a photocopy of a marriage record and frankly with a census record that's got parents and eight children make 10 copies stick one copy in each of their files so that you will have it all together so you know, you've got to be flexible enough to, to realize that, you know, a piece of paper is not going to be able to just to fit in just one person's file. Exactly. We are messy people, aren't we? <laughs> and finally, you know, before I let you go, I know we only have a few minutes, but I want to talk about a bit your chapter devoted to online research and organizing that. So we think about heading online and that ends up feeling like a free-for-all initially, but you really can approach it in an organized fashion. I'd love to have you share some of your strategies for doing that. Sure. So I think there, there's a couple of things. One is you need for when you sit down to do research for anybody, whether it's you, you need to have a checklist of here are the kinds of records I'm going to look for. And you also probably then for each of those kind of records, you need to have a checklist of where am I going to look online for it. So that way you're not worrying about missing something so that a week later you go, did I remember to look on online service X for this record? Did I look in online service Y? But you will have a you will have kept a record of this. So you really need a checklist are really important here, I think. And you can do these in Evernote and a lot of other ways if you want to do them online. And the other thing is you also need to in terms of organizing your online searches, you need to indicate what did you use to search? What exactly did you type into that search box? What spelling of the name? You know, that stuff. Because again, a week from now, you're going to say to yourself, did I remember to use that alternate spelling for the surname or not? I don't remember. And then you're going to have to go back and do it all again. And then the other thing is you need to indicate what did you find. If you didn't find it, you need to make a note of that too. Sometimes we're really bad as genealogists of not making a note when we fail to find something. And sometimes failing to find something is the clue 
that you need, you know, that, oh, that ancestor was not in the 1930 census in New Jersey when I looked. So maybe they are somewhere else. And I just need to have a record of that. Exactly. And, you know, it strikes me as you're talking about this, that really organization is really the key to more time because it's time is something we can't you cannot write a book and tell us how to get 24 more hours it's just not going to happen right but but in a way you have and because you're talking about ways that you can work smarter and not repeat your effort and that's free time isn't it that's right nobody wants to be you know if you're not organized you're going to go to that repository that archive maybe spend lots of money with that copy of that document come home and find out you already had it Oh, all that yeah. time you wasted in terms of getting another copy, the time and money. Yeah, we don't we don't have enough time in our lives to do that. We want to spend our time and our money very wisely. And the more effort you put in organizing up front, the more time you're going to have having fun discovering new stuff, not repeating stuff that you've already done. Oh, we like the idea. Having fun doing your family history. <laughs> Enjoying it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Thank you so much for joining us. You know, the book is called Organize Your Genealogy. It's Strategies and Solutions for Every Researcher. It is by Drew Smith, and we will have a link in the show notes. This is available both as a print and as an ebook if you want to be able to search through it, which I really love using the ebook versions because, boy, you can really quickly find here's what I'm struggling with, and with a keyword search, you can find it in Drew's book. And that means you can carry it around with you when you go on a research trip. You've got the book on your, exactly. on your Kindle, on your iPad wherever you got the book with you. Yep. No excuses not to be organized. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you so, so much, Drew. Thanks, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Excel spreadsheets have been keeping folks organized in all types of work. So why not genealogy? We certainly deal with our fair share of data. So I've invited Shannon Combs Bennett back to the show to share some tips from her webinar. It's called Spreadsheet Secrets to Organize Your Genealogy. Welcome back, Shannon. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. You know, Shannon, Allison Dolan, of course, the publisher of Family Tree Magazine, is a huge fan of using spreadsheets for genealogy. She's talked about it here on the podcast. And of course, she's one of the most organized people I know. So I'm definitely seeing the merit in this. What are some of the advantages of using spreadsheets when it comes to our research? Well, Allison and I are a lot alike in that I love using spreadsheets for nearly everything as well. I, I think it goes along with our personalities. But I've discovered from using spreadsheets in my other life, when I moved to genealogy and I had so much to do and so much to organize, spreadsheets were my go-to function. I, I knew how to use them. They were comfortable for me. And I found that people can actually, if they sit down for just a few minutes, can pick up how to use a spreadsheet no matter what platform they use. And it's really simple. It's really quick. And there's just so much that you can do with it. And I don't think people realize that it's more than just, you know, columns and math and <laughs> organizing yeah. on, you know, like accounting type things, right? You can make workbooks. And actually, I do this a lot where I sit down to create a workbook because I use Excel, but you can use this on the Mac. You can use it on Google spreadsheets. So those are, those are another great thing mm -hmm. is the Google spreadsheets. And, and I sit down and I create a workbook for all the different projects I'm doing. Each project has a workbook and I create a, a title page and then each 
piece of analysis gets its own tab and makes it so simple and everything is right there in front of you. There's no flipping back and forth between papers or losing your files. It's just all right there. Exactly. And you know, I'm not a spreadsheet person because I don't like math. And I always assumed that math had something to do with spreadsheets. So I'm all about word and tables. But my husband, having been a CFO, he is all about the spreadsheets. And what he's really shown me is, it's not just putting the data in the organized tables, but and and the cells, but it's the fact that the spreadsheet program can sort it in 10,000 different ways. And of course, that's, to me, what really hits me about genealogy, right? Is that kind of what you use it for is is seeing your data in different organized ways? Right. So I do that a lot where, you know, I create different headers and the different columns. And that way, when I put the information in, you know, let's say I'm putting together a family uh, timeline. And so I want to see everybody's, you know, everyone from one state, I can sort the column with all like the birth date information or the birthplace information. I can sort it so I can see everybody who was like born in Indiana or born in Kentucky because it sorts it alphabetically. Or if I want to find people who were, you know, the timeline of the births, I can sort by date. I can also sort sometimes, especially when I do uh, DNA analysis, I put in, you know, which line they're from. So I can sort and put everybody from one family line together. Now, I would think that DNA would be the perfect. Oh, it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, what a great marriage there. Um, and you talk in this webinar about using um, and creating reusable templates. So you're also not reinventing the wheel every time, right? Exactly. I love creating templates. I create them all the time for anything I can get away with. Uh, that way, you know, next time I have to do a project on whatever. <laughs> I mean, like if I'm trying to do a book about somebody or I'm trying to create a timeline of birth, death, marriages, or, you know, I'm inserting one thing I've discovered recently that is if I'm going through an actual like published book I've had to do through interlibrary loan, I've created a book template. So it has like all the citation information I need. And then I've created a spreadsheet with, you know, this is the page number, this is the item and, you know, my notes and who I also want to like associated families. And I have those columns all set up. So the next time I get a book, and it's through interlibrary loan, and I'm going through it for my research. I can just pull up my my book research template, insert all the information for the new book. Wow, great idea. See, there you have it. And in like five minutes, we've had all these different types of ways that you could be using the same tool. So that really convinces me that it's worth if you don't already know how to use a spreadsheet like Excel or Sheets in, in Google, that it's worth investing the time to learn it, which I don't think would be that hard. And if you invest that time, wow, look at all the different ways that you could use that knowledge once you've got it. Right. And I have to say, I'm a very visual learner. So if I get yeah. stuck on, you know, I know the spreadsheet does this. I just, I haven't been able to read it or figure out how to do it. There are wonderful YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah. a video for everything, right? So if you get really, really stuck and you have an idea in your head, if you just go out and Google the idea, I am sure you could find a video to teach you that aspect of using a spreadsheet to make it less complicated and work you step by step. Because sometimes I put the video up, I pause it, 
I go to the yeah. program, do it, and then go back to the video. That way, you know, I have that interaction. Absolutely. Well, see, there you have it. You can turn to places like YouTube to, to learn the basics of the spreadsheets, but you can turn to this video that Shannon has put together. This was a video of a webinar that she did, and it's called Spreadsheet Secrets to Organize Your Genealogy. It's available over at Shop Biometry. So of course, we'll have a link to that. But there you go. Put some of these ideas to work right away. And I think you'll be a happier, more organized genealogist. Thank you so much, Shannon. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great talking to you today. In our 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment today, we're going to cover five great genealogy uses for the website Evernote. And we'll do that with Andrew Cook. He's the editor of the book, How to Use Evernote for Genealogy. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show. I know you really dug deep into that book as you were doing all your editing. And you told me that you have five great examples of what we could do or how we could use Evernote for genealogy. What is your first idea? So my first idea is to use Evernote to keep a research log. So um, I know I can only do genealogy work sort of in between other things because I've got, you know, I've got a lot going on. And it's really helpful to have a log of what I've done and what I've found, what resources I've used, what searches I've done. That keeps me on track and also keeps me from doing duplicate work. Yeah, it's a great idea because with Evernote being something that we can use on any device that we have, it's great. You can pick up any computing device that you have and always know where you're at, right? Oh, right. And it doesn't matter if I'm working on my laptop or on my phone, wherever I'm doing research, my Evernote's right there to help me keep track of it. Wonderful. Okay, research log number one. What is number two? Number two is saving important links. So a lot of genealogy research, of course, is now online, and it can be tough sometimes to manage all of the different resources that I want to check. And, uh, you know, between all of the records, databases, historical maps, and all that kind of stuff, it's good to have one central repository where I can keep all of those links that I want to use in my research. Ah, well, because you're working in Evernote anyway, so rather than burying them in some bookmarks on your web browser, having them together with all of your other notes, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And they can even cross-reference each other, so I can include a link in a note for a resource that'll send me to another place where I'm keeping my research, and it can make it a lot simpler. Oh, perfect. All right, number three? Number three is planning future projects and creating to-do lists. So it's hard to accomplish something if you don't know what you want to accomplish. So I use Evernote to help me keep track of my genealogical goals. And then as I plan out how I'm going to accomplish them. So one of the great things that Evernote has are checkboxes that you can use. You can create them in a note and then uh, just click them again to suggest that you've completed a task. Um, and that's really great because, again, you always have it with you. So whenever you're jumping into your research, you can always come back to the next step of your research process and keep track of what you still need to accomplish. Yeah. Oh, I love those checkboxes. It's a little button right in the toolbar of every single note. So they're really easy to add. Okay, so number two was saving your links. And number three was, your, you know, creating those to do lists and those follow up lists. How about number four? Number four is sharing your research. So one of the great things about genealogy is that it's collaborative. And in addition to just wanting to share your research finds with family members, you also, of course, need to work with them to learn more about your own family and about the history of 
other people's ancestors as well. And so Evernote actually allows you to share notes and notebooks via email and via social media, so to your Facebook page, to your Twitter page. So if you're really stuck on a research problem and need to crowdsource it out, you can share it with your friends on Facebook or send it off to your aunt or your uncle or your sibling. Whoever will be able to pitch in and give you a hand when you get stuck in your research or if you're just proud and you want to share what you've been able to accomplish. Yeah, and and you can share anything from a single note to a whole notebook full of notes. So Mm -hmm. lots of flexibility there. Okay, so sharing your research and number five. So number five is creating research templates for recording data. And the way I use this in my research is to create a table, a census abstract form. So if I'm looking for a particular ancestor in a census, it can be kind of a pain to have to keep going back to that record on a database or on a website. So it's a lot easier for me to just pull that information and save it on Evernote so that way I can reference it quickly without having to leave the comfort of that interface. Yeah, I like that because uh, that fits right into our getting organized and having templates. Why keep reinventing the wheel? Just use your templates and you can do those right in Evernote. I love it. There you go. Five great ideas for using Evernote to uh, manage your research, to stay organized. And those all come from the book that Andrew so carefully edited. And it's called How to Use Evernote for Genealogy. It's by Carrie Scott. Andrew, thank you so much. Appreciate all your great tips. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Well, it's time to wrap up this episode devoted to organizing your genealogy research. And we're going to head to the publisher's desk because Allison Dolan always has great resources for us. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. You know, we've been covering so many different aspects of organizing our research, and I know that you have great resources. So what have you got that will help keep us organized? Well, the products I want to share with you is something called the Essential Family Tree Forms Library. Now, what genealogist out there doesn't love forms, right? Well, this is all the forms you could ever possibly need or want. So these are forms to help us along the research process itself, right? To keep the data that we're collecting and that we're looking for organized. Exactly. So, you know, everybody uses forms like the basic five-generation pedigree chart or a family group sheet. This is blowing that out even further. So we have worksheets to help with using and working with specific records like the census or vital records online research worksheets, so methods for tracking um, research that you're doing on specific sites or specific ancestors that you're searching for, as well as ways to log and compare information to help you analyze what you found and know what next steps to take. Right, so you can kind of visualize how it's all coming together. Now, I know a lot of people really want the paper. They want to fill it in the blanks and and work on it. And other people want to just keep the desk clear and work online. Does this have both capabilities? It sure does. I worked on these myself. And being a genealogist, I understand that sometimes it's useful to be able to write on things. And sometimes it's better to sort of type everything in. So, you know, keeping my own needs and desires in mind, we made it so that it worked both ways. The sheets can be printed out 
So you can stuff them in your notebook as you're going to the library or on your research trip, and you can take notes on the fly right on the piece of paper, or um, you can type directly into the forms, and if you're using Adobe Acrobat 10 or higher, you can save what you've typed and print it out that way too so that you get the best of both worlds. One trick is each form is a PDF, so when you pull that PDF off of the CD, you can create as many copies of it as you want. So if you want to have, say, six different five-generation pedigree charts for different lines of your family, you can do that by simply creating a new iteration of that PDF and typing additional information for each family into it. Oh, you got to love that because... If you have it only in a print form, like in a book, then once you've written on it, that's it, I guess, unless you have a copy machine. But this way, you can just use it over and over again, each form as as much as you need to. Exactly. Yeah. And you can do that and, you know, with printing it out as well. If you just want to print out and write on it, you can print out as many copies as you need. And you don't have to worry about messing up your, you know, sort of one master copy. Fantastic. Okay, so this is the Essential Family Tree Forms Library CDs. These are CDs. There's two volumes of them, and we will have a link in the show notes that you can go check those out. And um, great tip. Thank you so much, Allison. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining me for this July 2016 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, be sure and check out Drew Smith's new book. It's called Organize Your Genealogy. It's available over at shopfamilytree.com. And then head on over to familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. And there you will find the show notes for this episode, which will include information and website links for everything that we covered, including those five great uses for Evernote and information on how to get your hands on Shannon's webinar recording all about spreadsheets. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website, genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems podcast, which is also available for free through iTunes. And we do have an app in your favorite app store. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.